Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome back to Personal Power for the Common Good, the podcast where we explore the bonuses and the barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. This episode is dedicated to South African Nelson Mandela for his dedication to social justice in the quality, dignity, and power of all human life. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. We are your hosts, and Stacey and I are delighted to have you with us for this second episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. In the first episode of Personal Power for the Common Good, we examined the intersectionality of, quote, little boxes which we defined as little assumptions and expectations that come from society, family, and beyond to contribute to our individual identities, and they have lasting impact on our lives, especially when left unexamined. Since cultivating deeper self-awareness requires self-reflection, we provided an identity inventory activity to get you started. If you'd like to use it, you can find the inventory sheet at personalpowercommongood.podbean.com. And because cultivating deeper self-awareness also requires self-care, we suggested the creation of your own personal affirmation that you can see, read, and say every day. Any questions? Any self-discoveries? Any affirmations you'd like to share with other listeners? If you are listening through the Podbean app, you can add your affirmations and your comments there. And today we're asking, what is your understanding of the phrase nature or nurture in regard to human development? We believe that our human DNA or nature is an obvious and natural beginning of our development. But the second word in that phrase, nurture, is less often universally defined because it's so complex and it's tied to family custom, cultural expectations, and personal beliefs. As we mentioned in the premiere episode, Our focus on personal power for the common good is through the lens of key developmental stages that most humans encounter, pre-birth, infancy, toddler, and so on. For example, we talked last time about how much the impact of gender can define a baby's existence before he or she is even born or even conceived. The dreaded pink aisles at toy stores. (laughs) Yes, the dreaded pink aisles. Boys are strong and girls are cute. Women are emotional, but men don't cry. On and on. So it goes. And the continuum of care that we receive as we grow ranges from consistent nurturance, or dependable nurturance at least, to outright abuse. Our nature, our DNA, is influenced in critical and long-lasting ways based on where we fall in that continuum of nurture. Now, as we've mentioned, we frame every podcast with two essential questions. As educators, we know that these questions will serve as a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand during our time together. Toward the end of each episode, 
we will share ways you can become a positive catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world, one person at a time. Today's episode will explore these two essential questions. First, what factors, what people, experiences, and so on shaped your life for the better as an infant? And thought-provoking, question number two, how do you know? Yeah, the developmental stage of birth to one year, it really sets the foundation for the beginning of your whole life. In one point of view created by the 20th century developmental psychologist and psychoanalyst Eric Erickson had a profound impact on the field of psychology. He defined eight specific tasks that all humans face during distinct developmental stages. And he said if the task is not wholly developed, it could evolve into a crisis that could impede the transition from the next stage. The first task from infant to 18 months is the development of trust, trust of their caregivers in the everyday environment. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's not uncommon to hear people say, I have trust issues, but we don't really talk about how early that can start. You know, our bonds, our attachments and sense of trust that develops in our first year plus will really influence how we engage, we communicate and form relationships throughout our life. So nurture comes from more than just our parents and family and relationships can mean not only with others, but relationship to ourselves and to our sense of trusting the world, trusting life. Yeah, think about a typical infant's life. Lots of feeding, pooping, sleeping, crying, napping, and literally absorbing every bit of energy around him or her. Young children have sensitive radar and ever watchful eyes for what's going on around them. Research has already proven that even while sleeping, infants who are in a home with lots of domestic violence pick up on that violence while they're asleep. Now think about the different experiences of infancy and parenthood from one hypothetical family to another. Family A has a consistent income, healthcare, the new baby and his or her siblings have their own rooms in an affordable apartment or home. The crime rate in the adjacent area is low, healthful food is available in the community, and the family has one car. Okay, now contrast. Imagine family B. Both parents work, but they have reverse schedules, so one of them can stay with the baby while the other works. They have health care, but live in a small and unaffordable apartment like the majority of families in their neighborhood. It was the cheapest they could find, Um, but they sometimes hear gunshots or neighbors in domestic disputes when the windows are open. Family B relies on public transportation, and they have to travel three cities over to find fresh produce. In a third contrast, now imagine family C. Neither parent can find work. The family's been displaced by gentrification, natural disaster, or an act of war or terrorism. Their children are hungry every day. They travel from place to place seeking safe shelter. And the local health care center has been abandoned, but the baby's sick. Hmm. So here's what we're looking at. All three of these babies are born the same way. That's the nature part. 
But the nurture part, the circumstances, the social support, the family custom, place, time of birth, parental stress level, the basic feeling of everyday safety for these three families is dramatically different. So which infant do you think fails the safest? Which infant will most likely develop an optimal sense of trust during the first year or so? You know, as the saying goes, talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. These three babies are born with similar potential for talent, for success, for greatness. They do not, however, have the same environmental opportunity to achieve that greatness because their early lives have very, very different levels of resources, of safety. This is important to mention because as part of your evolving role as a positive influencer of personal power for the common good, we must look at the boxes we knowingly or unknowingly mentally create and put people in when those people are different from us. Yeah, and engaging with difference is one of the keys to personal power. But that can be tricky to navigate because we're often dealing with our own implicit biases, including the blind spot bias, which allow us to, to believe that others make assumptions and determinations because of their implicit biases, but that we do not. <laughs> not true. In developing empathy and compassion for the different one, the outsider, the stranger from another land, faith, background, culture, and sometimes even the one who has wronged you personally is the second key. There are countless expressions of less than ideal family circumstances that can become a barrier to the mastery of trust. Some are more horrific than others, but whatever the circumstances, the infant is often marked in some way. Yeah, and the marks might not be visible right away. They often happen before a child has language, let alone analytical thinking, but they can lead to self-doubt self-loathing, mistrust, fear of intimacy as the person grows older. And sometimes we say that a person has, quote, arrested development, meaning he or she is stuck at a particular development, developmental stage and does not fully evolve from that point forward. If, if you do not trust, then you mistrust. And mistrust is poisonous to the development of personal power and definitely to the common good. At some point, a healthy definition of love must include trust, or the relationship is dysfunctional in some way. Yeah, and it's really important to help people define, especially young people, define what a healthy relationship is, because they have many examples of bad relationships all around them. And when identifying elements of healthy relationships to high school students, I'm very specific about talking about tracking, you know, one's time, one whereabout, et cetera to the point of obsession. It's often the first red flag of dating violence. Yeah, this could go either way. But for this example, let's say that a girl describes that her boyfriend constantly wants to know where she is, who she's with, and so on. She likes the attention and translates this into, he loves me, he cares about me. When in fact, it's moving toward the point of obsession, which could evolve into dangerous consequences. And we actually have the convergence of two dysfunctions here. One is the tracking based on mistrust. And the other for the girl is uh, having a context for mistaking disrespectful attention for love. 
yeah, this kind of mistrust can also develop within. You know, in the first episode, I mentioned how the perception of gender as a female drastically changed by puberty. I no longer trusted my body. Like when I was the nine-year-old wonder girl, you know, I was mocked, belittled, flooded with media, peer and family messages that I was not good enough. And this feeling of inadequacy and mistrust of my own body stayed with me for a very long time. But going back to infancy, you know, if I think about myself as an infant, I was positively impacted by my stay-at-home mom, a 20-year-old mother of four. She met my physical needs in a consistent way. I had three older sisters. They played with me. They helped to develop my socialization skills and trust of the world. You know, my family wasn't rich, but we always had food, safe shelter, and family support. My father didn't have any caretaking roles, which was very common in 1964, (laughs) (laughs) but he worked and he provided for the family. And all of these factors shaped my life for the better as an infant. But there is a point of disconnect in the same context, because in 1964, the way my mother gave birth and many women gave birth was they were unconscious. They were rendered unconscious by the doctor. The baby was taken out via forceps, and then they were told not to breastfeed. They were told, you know, formula is better. Mm -hmm. So that, in my mind, really planted seeds of disconnection between me and my mother as an infant. But one way that the positive things helped me for the better is because I believe I rocked Erickson's next psychosocial task, which was autonomy. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode. You know, ditto here on the autonomy. In, In my early years, we had a pretty traditional household setup. My mom stayed home with me. My dad worked. We were very involved in our church community. We lived in a new subdivision with other young families. My my creature comforts were always tended. Um, Then when I was in second or third grade, my mom went back to work. So before and after school, I stayed with my friend next door because her mom was at home. And I was fortunate to be in a family and in a neighborhood that had resources and and really lots of loving attention. But, you know, it's funny, I I always thought that my autonomy came from being an only child. and, And as I got older, spending so much time caring for myself while both my parents worked, I may have taken too much credit, though, and shortchanged my <laughs> the rock star job that my folks did in helping me cultivate my sense of safety and my sense of trust. So props. Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah. And thank the neighborhood. It truly does take a village. <laughs> OK, let's revisit this episode's two essential questions. First, as you reflect what factors, what people, experiences, etc., shaped your life for the better as an infant? And number two, how do you know? Now, as you reflect more on the essential questions, please know this. Our unique experiences and environments as infants either help or hinder our sense of trust in the world. Developing empathy and compassion for all living things is one of the keys to more personal power and to the common good. And navigating differences in the human experience without stereotype or judgment reduces fear and creates more trust in yourself and in other people. And as you know, one of our goals is to help you become an influencer of personal power. 
So we have some action steps until the next time. And to begin with one of our mantras or cleverly disguised pieces of at homework as educators is self-awareness requires reflection. So to stimulate that process until the next podcast, I want you to think about your life on a continuum from 100% nurturance to overt abuse. Think about it in the context of your five senses and try to go back as early as you can in your memory and identify what did you experience, you know, as an infant? What was a nurturing smell for you or a toddler or a preschooler or whatever, as far back as you, as you can remember? What was a nurturing touch and what was not so nurturing? And to help you do that, we do have a, a worksheet of a continuum, which you can find on personalpowercommongood.potbean.com if you need something to help you get started. And the other coin besides the work part is self-care. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if you listen to our first podcast, you may recall our second cleverly disguised piece <laughs> of at-home work um, is grounded in the importance of self-care. Thinking deeply about your life and, and cultivating more self-awareness can bring up some uncomfortable things. You need to take care of you along the way. So practice the power of deep breathing from your diaphragm. You probably know how to do this, but put your hand on your belly and it should expand out when you inhale, not sink in. When you take a deep breath, your little belly should puff right out. And, you know, here's another thing you can do. Look in the mirror for a good five minutes, set a timer, breathe in a sense of gratitude. Think about the people and experiences that have left a positive mark in your life so far. See them in your mind's eye and say, thank you. Feel that gratitude. And third, if that person is still alive or those persons, write to her, write to him, an email, a note, a letter, a card, um, but write to express your gratitude. Making someone else's day makes yours better too. So in today's episode, we looked at Erickson's first developmental stage of birth to infancy the first year or so. So to begin to pay it forward and be an influencer or positive personal power during the first year or so of someone's life, here are some suggestions. Throw out the societal or family message that a baby can be spoiled by being held. Respond to a baby's cries within a reasonable amount of time. Do not always let them cry it out. And don't feel compelled to make the infant sleep in a separate room if that's not your preference. Snuggle up and share nurturing touch with your baby every chance you get. You know, offer to babysit for new parents so they can nap or do errands on their own or, you know, even have a date. Remind new parents that the first few months or so are very rough for everyone, especially for first time parents. Creating and sustaining a new human, it's hard work. So as an influencer, do your best and be proud of your efforts. Uh, no one is perfect and perfection is not a healthy or realistic goal. So reassure new parents of that. Yeah, and trust your instincts about your own child's health when you go to a pediatrician's office. Advocate on their behalf. The doctor is not always right. I had this experience myself as a new mom with my son. I knew something was wrong with him. He just didn't seem right. It was the first month or so. 
And I was, oh, poo poo, you're a new mother, you worry too much. And turns out he was severely allergic to all kinds of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. so trust your gut around that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our favorite, remember to promote gender neutral clothing, gender neutral colors, and most importantly, expectations. Yes. And if you take a step toward the common good, if you have a eureka moment in your self-care or maybe your role as a positive influencer, tell us about it. Drop us a note. If you're listening through the Podbean app, you can just put a comment right there and we would love to hear from you. Yeah, your thoughts matter to us and your words matter. You matter. And as a part of every episode, we're going to share some words of wisdom from someone who inspires us. And since we dedicated this to Nelson Mandela, we want to honor some of his words. And he said, there can be no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which it treats its children. Mm. So true. Truth bomb. Yes. Okay. That is a wrap on the second episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. We hope you join us next time. We'll have a look at the flip side of today's episode and explore these essential questions. What factors, people, experiences, and whatnot have shut down your personal power in your life? And how do you know? We'll continue examining Erickson's stages of development with a focus on stage two. And that's 18 months to three years when the mastery task is autonomy versus shame and doubt. And if you want some structure for the creation of your nurturing and abusive continuum, again, check out personalpowercommongood.podbean.com for a <laughs> worksheet to help get you started. And uh, if you've got follow-up questions or ideas, anything you'd like to learn more about, thoughts that you've had while you were listening, we want to know. So personalpowercommongood.com podbean.com. That's where our episodes are stored. And through that app, that's where you can comment. We really, really would like to hear what you have to think. Yes. So my name is Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we look forward to our ongoing and ever evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. <laughs>